And I wish that I could publish that sort of thing so I could, to all the trolls, be like, see, straight from the horse's mouth. But I can't do that, obviously. That's a whole other conversation. Okay, hot take. If you look at like the, how do I want to say this? The breadth of skill set, I think Lachlan might be, you could argue that he's the best all around cyclist in the world. What is up, party people? First off, I want to give a special shout out to all the Bonk Bros fans out there who came up to us at the races this past weekend and let us know how much y'all enjoy the show. After all, if it weren't for all of y'all, we wouldn't keep recording these things, so we thank you. All right, we've got another banger episode for y'all this week as we brought Payson McElvin on the show to talk all things Lifetime Grand Prix, Schwamigan recap, crazy international adventures, loads of hot takes, and of course we rant on Subku's taking the dub at the Vuelta last week. So kick back and enjoy the back and forth banter between fellow podcast Jedis for the better part of the next hour. If you have any questions or feedback for the show, drop us a note at bonkrospodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on the Instagram. Oh, and big shout out to our loyal Patreon supporters for keeping things running. If you two want to get on the support action, hit up that Patreon link in the show notes. All right, let's get this party started. So you're from up in the Washington, D.C. area, and it's not... I mean, I haven't I haven't been to a lot of big cities to compare the riding, but compared to where I live now in Western North Carolina, I mean, it doesn't even hold a candle. The riding is so much better in Western North Carolina. But the one thing that I miss about living in Washington, D.C. is that just because the population was so much higher, there were so many more people into cycling. And mm. there was there was a Tuesday Night World style group ride every single day of the week. And sometimes, okay. sometimes at lunch and and in the evening, um, any any day of the week that you want to do a hard group ride, you can go do it. That's cool. Yeah. See, I mean, that's how like the front range is. Except swap out group ride for bike race. Like any night of the week from April basically through October, you can you can race every night of the week if you wanted to. Hmm. Wow. I guess Durango is kind of like that. We have the Tuesday night road ride, which is. I'm trying to think of a road ride I've done because I've done a decent night of like or a decent number of weeknight road rides around the country at this point. I'm trying to think of one that's harder. I guess the shootout, depending on the time of year. But anyway, we have that. We have a Wednesday night short track or enduro, depending on the week. Um, and then two weekend rides. So it's pretty good here, too. All right. So what's the deal with this Durango Derby? Oh, yeah. So <clears throat> one thing that's funny about Durango, I mean, I'm, I'll try not to uh, rant and rave about Durango too much. I'm passionate about this place, but no, I, I like Durango. We, we spent two, two weeks in Durango, uh, between Crusher and Leadville and it was, it was an awesome place. I really like it. You kind of needed, you needed some help though, dude. I looked at your Strava. Yeah, no, I know a lot of, I was was like, wait, what is he doing? (laughs) I did, I did one ride where I just rode down to, uh, uh, what is it? Aztec. Yeah. Yeah. In the middle of the summer. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was it was so unbelievably hot. I was dying. <laughs> yeah, that was a brave move. Not even like getting the double wave. Well, I didn't I didn't know that it was going to be brave. I was just like, oh, I'll just do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, Durango has a lot of history. First ever mountain bike worlds were here. Um, obviously, there's loads of talent that was born here, developed here. Blah blah blah. Everyone knows the names. Um, and then a bunch of the rest of us just moved there as soon as we could basically but weirdly we've had very little racing i think part of it is because durango is pretty isolated like our biggest our closest 
big city is Albuquerque, which is almost four hours away. <clears throat> so we've never had, or at least for a while, we haven't had any big races other than, I guess, collegiate Nats was here a couple of years ago. And then there was a World Cup in like the mid 2000s. But a, a group of us was just like, what the heck? Why don't we have a sweet mountain bike race here? So we finally just kind of rolled up our sleeves and started putting the pieces together. And um, Sarah Sturm's uh, fiance, Dylan Stuckey, took the lead finally early spring um, and just started acting as a race director and it's coming together finally. And it's going to be a super fun, super fun race. It's basically run enduro format. I think eventually it'll be like a 50 mile epic ride style uh, marathon. Um, but, you know, with it being a first year event, the city wasn't like, yeah, we're going to close all these roads for you guys. So it's going to be enduro format, basically using uh, doing like a seven to 10 mile loop in each of the, major in-town trail systems and then just kind of like a slow roll across town together um but it's gonna be gnarly i'm kind of nervous and there's so so this is a full-on mountain bike race oh yeah yeah yeah. like i'm trying to decide whether to run my my 120 or my 110 type thing hmm. i only i only brought my drop bar mountain bike and my gravel bike with me so do you have any mountain bikes that look normal anymore, dude? <laughs> <laughs> I do. It's been a very long time. I think it's been over a month since I've ridden normal flat bars. Yeah. It's pretty fast. It's fun. It's cool. Oh, you, should, same. you should do it for sure. <laughs> Payson, do you think that Dylan does the curly handlebars just for attention? You can be honest. No, I don't. I mean, Thank I think you. I feel like that's the vibe. <laughs> like as soon as I got to gravel nets, like I mentioned something about Dylan and somebody's like, oh, he knew he couldn't win, so he just had to do something Ooh. to get attention. And I was like, that's a pretty harsh Savage. thing to say, like, not knowing somebody. You know, like, I don't know. Just I mean, because I think, somebody does YouTube. Well, that's the problem with being famous within uh, a community is people just start. Is my Whoa. internet, is my internet do you think, super? Do you think Dylan is shooting right now? <laughs> no, you're Sorry. good, Mason. Okay, because all of a sudden all you guys just disappeared and it's just audio. Anyway. Um, oh, no, we got you. Yeah, that's the problem with like becoming well known within a community is people just start seeing you as an entity rather than a person. And they're just so much quicker to mm. say kind of shitty stuff, even if they Dang. don't really feel it. They're like, oh, here's a target that everyone recognize, recognizes, recognizes, yeah. like witness my cleverness about this person. Anyway, so it's probably true. Uh, yeah, I uh, I hear you in regards to uh people like poking fun at that and i think there is some legitimacy i think some people sometimes do do that like i think probably pete didn't actually feel like his gravel bike with drop bars with 30 mil fork was faster at schwamigan um but i bet canyon loves it because it shows the capability oh he didn't just race a curly bar mountain bike he just raced his gravel bike. no that's what i mean yeah his his grizzle with the tiny fork I, I think he did make a post admitting that he didn't think that was a good bike choice. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but but I think it, it. I don't think it was the drop bars. I think it was the gravel bike itself. I think that. that I, I, yeah, I, I talked with Big Tall Wayne, and and it sounded like he was super jealous of Carrie rocking up with a dually and drop yeah. bars. I, I was. I think that I think the drop bars are fine for that race. I don't think there's anything wrong with running drop bars. But I almost would have after having ridden it this year. It didn't seem that bumpy last year, probably because it was so muddy. But after having ridden it this year, I almost feel like if I had put my drop bars on my dual suspension, that would have been better. Dude, for sure. I mean, I think if you're going if you're going for the fastest setup for a time trial style effort of Schwamigan, Mm -hmm. a dual suspension with drop bars is the fastest for sure. 
But if mm-hmm. you're racing in a group and you're trying to beat people, I think a full suspension with flat bars is probably the move. This year. Now, now, why do you think the flat bars are better if you're in a group? Uh, just because you have to get more wild with it in the last five mm-hmm. miles and you potentially might need to ride like seven feet off the main line to make a move. <laughs> yeah. yeah and personally, it. What, do you, what do you think about leverage on your flat <laughs> bars? <laughs> Is that a thing? I don't know. I've heard people talk about that because I, I have this ongoing thing with my coach and I talked to Keegan a good bit about it too because we're always nerding out about power meters and I was, I'm convinced that my mountain bike power meters read higher than my uh, graveler road meters. It's just your legs telling you that you're a true mountain biker. Oh, I love that. Thanks, Dizzles. Yeah. So many people are like, wait, you race mountain bikes? Um, But uh, my coach is convinced that the position has something to do with that. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know, though. I mean. No, I can see that. Yeah. And and I'll I'll say, I mean. That's a lot of a good reason instead of leverage. On your handlebars. Drew's just just poking fun at the fact that we had Alexi on the last podcast uh, before before he won the race, so we didn't know that he was going to win. But mm-hmm. he his his whole we were talking about drop bars versus flat bars for Schwam again. Uh, this is turning into the drop bar versus flat bar podcast, <laughs> I guess. But he his whole thing was the leverage for going up fire tower. It's just better with flat bars, and he can go up fire tower faster with flat bars. He said hmm. he couldn't put out the same power if he had if he had drop bars. Hmm. Interesting. Standing, and apparently, I'm assuming, but, but like maybe standing maybe it was just a thing. He wasn't translating the feelings right. Like what Payson's saying is the posi- like the the way the position is with the flat bar. Maybe he gets better power transfer because of the position. And, and mm-hmm. Alexi was just kind of relating that to better leverage. Oh, uh, hmm. okay, okay. Keegan thinks it's a Q factor okay. thing. Like the wider right. Q factor is actually better for power. But anyway, I don't know about leverage. I mean, that's tough to say because on a two and a half minute climb where you're going flat out, how much are you actually standing? Like 45 seconds a minute? Well, also, I mean, uh, roadies and cyclocross racers never complain about the amount of leverage from their bars. They, they, you know, it's, I don't know. It sounds like a fun test for either Dylan or GCN. (laughs) <laughs> right gcn yeah i mean it'd be easy to do because because it's a yeah it's the same power meter yeah but just like i don't know how you would measure it really scientifically mm. other than you know just trusting that power meters are pretty similar but rp cool that's the best way RP, then. yeah i mean that's like the best way if you feel fast you're fast that's well you, dylan you've got a you've got a hardtail like a standard hardtail right i do no. have a standard hardtail oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So, so Dylan, all you'd have to do is just swap, swap the power meter from the drop bar to the flat bar and do a five minute test. Which, which bike can you put out more, more power for five yeah, minutes? But the problem with that is that obviously in the second five minute test, I'm going to be doing less, less power. <laughs> so do it like a week later, dude. I mean, I'm not saying okay, it right, right, right. has to be back to back. Yeah, yeah, too many factors though, because then like I, lately, just... dude. Speaking of the GCN videos, lately they've just been doing these videos where they don't even have a power meter. They just straight up test two things without measuring power, and they're without like, "Well, data. that one was faster." <laughs> <laughs> That's funny, man. I hope they don't sell. I mean, outside. at the end of the day, speed is all that matters. Are they are they thinking about doing that, selling the outside? Yeah, I've heard some rumors because um, they're just so good with their race coverage. Obviously, like. having uh you know their their studio crew um i feel like it's so solid and i just can't imagine what 
hopefully nothing would change. But I also heard outside has like no money left anymore. Really? So yeah. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I'm always curious about every those. time I register for a race. They're like, "Do you want to sign up for our subscription and get all this access to videos you'll never watch?" And I'm like, like the videos that they have are so random. I'm like, mm. like some of the. I'll look at it and I'm like, oh yeah, maybe. And then I'll look at what they actually have to offer. And I'm like, what is this? Like, it's like the most random stuff. I don't even, I don't even know what videos you're talking about right now. I couldn't tell you the name of one of them. They're (laughs) just like random. It's like a bunch of, seems like a bunch of privateer people who made their own movies about outdoor stuff. Mm -hmm. Sounds like me. They wanted to uh, (laughs) buy, they wanted to buy the Tasmania film. Um, but their offer was zero dollars. So mm. wait, what? That's so different. what's the benefit to you? <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> that's called stealing publicity. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah, like, uh, no, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, for those of us who are um, ignorant, what? So what's the Tasmania thing you're talking about? Oh, I just have this uh, for whatever reason. This like side passion for um, ultra distance adventures that I've come to realize um, I really need to be a happy person and a happy bike rider. So most years at this point, we'll put together some sort of huge mission, put together a cool route in a place I've never been, um, and tell a story about it. Uh, right. Hopefully one that goes you know, beyond just a cool bike ride, because those are kind of a dime a dozen at this point on the internet. Okay, I watched the one that you were you rode across Iceland, right? And the weather was terrible, and you had like yeah. plastic bags on, and then like you're walking <laughs> through rivers. I watched that one, but you've done more. You've done more than just that one. Yeah, we did like a sequel. So the Iceland oh, one was nice. very seat of the pants in terms of um, it was just a last minute first, idea. That was the first one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Dang, so for pulling the first one, it was pretty good. I should watch this. <laughs> I should watch the follow-ups. Yeah, putting pulling together funding for that was pretty last minute. Um, but the cinematography was crazy, so it was mm-hmm. received really well. As you know, there wasn't much of a story outside of whoa, long bike ride. But uh, with the one in Tasmania, we tried to go a bit deeper than that and tell a little bit more of a human story. Um, mm. And I'm just—I don't know why, but I got really obsessed with this concept of uh, riding across land masses in a single push. Cause it's such a crazy way to just, um, sounds very hippie, but like become one with the place. You, you just have like this automatic zone state when you're on a mission like that. And if it lasts for 20, 30 plus hours, when you finish, it's like, well, that was a life experience and a half. So I have a bunch of, bunch of places that I'm interested in. And, uh, I'm going to take the fall off this year. Cause the Tasmania one was like, Un, an unreal amount of work. Speaking of Schwamigan, I remember last year I was late to warm up because I was just like deep in maps about Tasmania. <laughs> um, so we're going to try to create a little more runway for this next one, but we'll keep doing can it. You, can, are you allowed to drop and tell us where you're going for your next one or is that secret? I mean, I can say a few places like we're, we haven't finalized the place. We're actually probably going to oh, go gosh. visit a couple of them this fall just to kind of scout and see what hmm. interesting storylines there might be. But I want to do, I want to try to do Corsica and Sardinia together, be like a two for one. So those are two islands off the coast of Italy. One is French, the other is Italian. <clears throat> and they're wow. super different culturally, but also super different geographically. But they're only separated by five miles of water. So I think that would be really cool. Um, Ireland, the crew really wants to go to Taiwan, 
which evidently mm. has absolutely mm. massive mountains, which could be cool. Um, but, but Taiwan doesn't have any gravel roads, I learned. They've got trails. Everything's trail, paved. They've got trails. That's yeah. true. Yeah. What, what do you mean they don't have any gravel road? Like, they just refuse to... It's like... Um, it's either paved so like or it's trail? Paved, yeah, so paved roads to them is like a sign of wealth or prosperity. Oh, so interesting. Anytime they're going to build a road, they just pave it. They're like, we don't want any dirt roads. There's there's apparently one dirt road that goes to the top of some mountain there, and they're actually thinking about paving that one mm. pretty soon too. Yeah, I met a couple guys from Taiwan when I was over at Migration Gravel, mm. and uh, yeah, they were telling me about it. So they they were prepping for migration, having not ridden gravel like hardly at all. Well, maybe that's what the folks in Kentucky think too, because we don't have any gravel roads here either. Really? No, Kentucky, where all the wealth is. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there's that's a surprising. bunch up in Indiana, but and that's where everybody goes to ride gravel around here. Maybe huh. there is, there is, there is, but it's it's like down in like true Kentucky. Mm. Uh, so I'd have to drive a couple where, hours down where, into Where the, is true Kentucky? Like the boondocks, dude. Like <laughs> people who don't sound like me live there. You know, like, okay. when you think of Kentucky and people who don't wear shoes and drink like whiskey in, in a mountain, like mountaintop. That's, that's true Kentucky. Okay. I wish, I wish I was from that part of Kentucky. I think Carson is a sounds, little bit closer nice. to that part of Kentucky than I am. Okay. I'll, I'll ask Carson about it. <laughs> yeah. Payson, what do you think about so doing, Payson, uh, did, going did, after um, Lachlan's tour divide record? Ooh, fuck. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and racing Schwam again, what, what, like two days later or whatever. <laughs> Unreal. Unreal. He did. He I did shockingly Lachlan, well at Schwam. Yeah, this is going to see, and I can definitely be prone to hyperbole. So I'm just going to preface this, but <laughs> a lot, I don't know how many people listen to this, but some people might send me Instagram messages and be like, wow, you're such an idiot. But I personally, Good. we want, we want but your most extreme <laughs> take right now. <laughs> okay, cool. We want your most extreme you take. Look, and then Adam is going to crop it and use it as our uh, Instagram like uh spoiler. I already, already marked it. Perfect. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> yeah, when I was when I was talking about the fact that I think only Sepp and maybe a couple other guys could do what Keegan did at Leadville, my sister who edits our podcast put it on our Instagram. That thing caught fire. And I just was like <laughs> on the receiving end of a fire. See, I don't, for I don't think you're week. wrong about that though. No, I know. And Sepp sent me a long message talking mm-hmm. about science in regards to altitude and like who in the Peloton he actually thinks could do it. Mm-hmm. And I wish that I could publish that sort of thing. So I could to all the trolls be like, see straight from the horse's mouth, but I can't do that. Obviously um, that's a whole other conversation. Okay. Hot take. Um, if you look at like the, how do I want to say this? <clears throat> the breadth of skill set. I think Lachlan might be, you could argue that he's the best all around cyclist in the world, just in terms of like how broad his abilities are. Cause if you look at Pitcock or Vanderpool, these guys that, you know, crush on the road and then, uh, you know, win mountain bike worlds or something like that. Of course, that's the pinnacle of the sport. It's really hard to argue with that, but just physiologically, like if you watch or if you see the different riders from different, uh, more traditional racing, Hilariously, I'm going to lump gravel in with that at this point. Um, when they try to go do a big bikepacking thing, they just flounder and like either mm-hmm. DNF or just kind of suck. Mm-hmm. And Lachlan's yeah. ability to go from 
what was it? What was it that he did before Tour Divide? I guess Leadville, where I think he, he probably did Leadville, <clears throat> Leadville, uh, Breck, straight oh, into yeah. Steamboat. Right, right, right. But if you look at Leadville uh, and seeing what he was doing in that lead group, like he was going pole for pole with Keegan, like trying to help him with the record, and also he just felt amazing. I think had he not flatted, Locke would have been podium that day. To see that. And then just to be able to pivot and go ride almost 3,000 miles um, is insane. And to, like, not get rhabdo, not get insane knee tendonitis, and then show up a week later and be in the lead group for half the race at Schwamigan. Like, from a physiological standpoint, from what I know about bikepacking and, like, how fat-dependent it is, like, it is almost completely... It ha- To do it well, you have to be almost, like, fat-adapted. And then to flip around and do Schwamigan and just do this anaerobic effort... Like, to be able to just switch your physiology like that is mind-boggling to me. Like, absolutely insane. Yeah. And, you know, to go back to you're talking about a broad uh, <clears throat> skill set, you know, that he that he carries. Like, we're talking different disciplines of, like, bike handling, different disciplines of race dynamics. We're talking, like, skills off the bike, like survival skills. Yeah. We're talking, you know, he had mishaps as far as mechanicals along the Tour Divide. Like, he was, you know, fixing his bike with, like, sticks and stuff like that. Yeah. He his like derailleur stopped working, you know. I mean, like, and he still smashed the record. You know, like, I think that's what going back to what you're talking about is like he possesses not just the physiology, but all the other skill set that's required to keep him in like so relevant in all these different arenas. Which is it's unbelievable. I mean, it's like I I would 100 percent agree that as far as the most well rounded bike racer in the world, he's he's right there for sure. Well, people forget what he did on the road and like what he quote unquote was supposed yeah. to be. Like he was going to be yep. EF's GC, like Grand Tour guy. He won Colorado, um, had some crazy finishes at, uh, I mean, obviously Utah, but also California. Utah, yeah. Did some stuff in Europe. Like he was an absolute freak of a climber, still is, um, but he just wasn't into it. I almost see him like sort of like Sep in a way. Like they're not, they have some similarities personality wise and obviously riding quality wise. Uh, but Lockheed just didn't have the head for it. Like he, and he, we recorded last week and he said that he was like, I just, it just broke me. Like it wasn't going to make me happy. So anyway, big fan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same yeah, for sure. Dude, speaking of, uh, speaking of Sep Durango, all of Durango must be going crazy right now, huh? Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's pretty funny to be in the grocery store and have someone stocking shelves be like, how about that Sep? Yeah. How about it? <laughs> 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 yeah. We uh, when we recorded last week it was like right after um Jonas and Primos attacked him on that whatever stage that was. Mm. And the whole the whole controversy was like, oh, should they be doing that? That seems kind of like a dick move of them. Um but I don't know. It it seemed it it almost seemed to me like Yumbo saw saw the discourse online about what was going on and was like we have to let Sep Sep take the jersey because otherwise no one's going to be a fan of Yumbo after this. Yeah, I think to an extent we'll never know. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it was a lose-lose for them because from a PR standpoint, that's so dumb to say because they swept the podium. But from a PR standpoint, it was a lose-lose because if they just defended Sep's jersey from, say, the day after the TT then there would have been a lot of people being like, oh, you know, this race is so boring. Like, they're just doing the Ineos thing again. Um, They have these two-star riders. Why aren't they letting them ride a little bit? 
if they did what they did end up doing, then, you know, all the, all the blowback would happen that did happen. Um, they, my understanding is they actually agreed to race through the Anglaru stage. Um, and I don't think that, I think that was maybe somewhat unusual because of Sepp's personality. Like, I think he really wanted to earn it. And I also, like, I'm a homer, like I'm buddies with Sepp. Of course, I'm going to defend him. But I think this narrative of them, like, gifting him the jersey is a little bit ridiculous if you actually watch the stages and you actually understand the tactics of road racing. Um, because, sure, he took the jersey in a break. Um, but if you go stage by stage and say, like, okay, was he stronger than Primos on this stage? Was he stronger on Jonas on this stage? Which guy on the team, which of the three was strongest on this stage? Like, if you go stage by stage... They were all stronger on different stages, mm-hmm. but whoever attacked first was in an advantageous position. So like when you could say just as easily when Jonas took a minute on that summit finish that he was also given a minute because the other two For strongest sure. guys yeah. in the race couldn't chase. They couldn't it's chase. Just, yeah, that's exactly what I said last week. I said it's just whoever attacks first. Exactly. Because everybody so they else always play the like, team card. They're always trading time, really. And it was... I forget. I think it was maybe Remco who was like, yeah, they're just out there playing PlayStation, which basically is what it was, you know, (laughs) like they could do whatever they wanted. And then I think of a stage like the Tourmalay stage where Jonas went early again uh, and the other two guys couldn't chase, obviously, because he was up the road. But then when Sepp did counterattack, that was unreal. And he closed, I think it was 30 seconds on Jonas. on the fucking Jonas never got he never got a huge gap. I mean, it was like it went out and then it stayed. Right. And then when so, Sepp went, he jumped like halfway across. Like, what would Sepp have done on that stage if he got to attack first? first? Would yeah. he have taken yeah. 45 seconds? Great possibility. Mm-hmm. And then on the Anglaru stage, like, <clears throat> sure, they took 19 seconds on him. But, I mean, think about how much time guys that win the Tour overall or the Vuelta overall sometimes lose on a given stage. Like, it's okay to win the race and also lose 19 stage, nineteen seconds on a big stage. That doesn't mean you're not the strongest for the whole three weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and to have your two teammates, like, if there's one thing that'll stick with me for the rest of my life from that race, um, like, watching the two best GC guys of the last decade disappear into the mist, literally on the hardest climb in World Tour Cycling... And you somehow like collect your thoughts and don't panic and lose only 19 seconds is like, oh my God. Anyone who says like Sep didn't earn that is to me just maybe not totally paying attention to the full three weeks. But anyway, I thought this is somewhat related, but not exactly. I thought that all the hype they did about GC Cuss and that logo <laughs> that they designed with the <laughs> stripes. I'm like, I'm not usually one to like want to buy a, you know, I don't know. I have enough t-shirts. I don't need to buy, but that one, I kind of want one of those t-shirts. Like that logo and everything was legit. Like that was cool. They really so like, I feel like I'll they warn milked, you. They milked I bought, that. I bought one. Um, cause I, I've obviously I was, they, they released that like within an hour of him crossing the finish yeah, line. Right. Pretty, right. Pretty clever, <laughs> uh, pretty clever marketing. So it was 40 euros just for the shirt. Mm. And then to get it shipped from the Netherlands was another 38 euros. Whoa. So you like, are a, like a you're $100 dollar shirt. $105 shirt. Fuck yeah, man. What's a lifetime thing? <laughs> yeah, seriously. 
Yeah, I didn't know it cost that much. I I, uh, I think I revoke my statement, but I would love that shirt. That that logo is wicked awesome. Like, yeah. I showed it to CJ, and then I was like, even explaining to her, like, oh, they have all three of the colors because they've won all three of the Grand Tours. Like, yeah, has the team yeah, yeah. ever done that before? Yeah, nineteen sixty six. So if you want to count okay. that, wow, that's so long ago. Nah, that was. If you want to count that, <laughs> that's irrelevant. This is yeah. back in the single Dang. speed days, pretty much. <laughs> and to do it with three different riders that's like that's right poetic yeah for oh, sure yeah. pretty cool pretty sweet all right so what else i do have to say is that your house man yeah that is wicked like you guys <laughs> should if you're i don't know if we'll if some if people will see this but he's got like this loft that's made out of wood oh man it looks so cool i would be in the little <laughs> office down in the driveway but my my fiance Nicole has a final exam, and so she needed the <clears throat> dude. Don't super don't quiet get Dizzle started on the road of uh, of office spaces, bro. <laughs> get this office bro. in the route. Oh, um, no, we didn't want to get you started, man. <laughs> nah, this is legit. This is probably the most legit of all the cycling stuff that I've done. This is the most legit. Like as far I guess social media related. What, building a hole in I your roof is real, the most legit cycling thing you did. I have a. Re- I have a reel of me cutting a hole in my roof because I'm converting our attic into an office. So I had to oh. I had to make more make more space and put in windows. So I cut yeah. a huge ten by ten basically hole like right out of my roof, like straight through the shingles. That sounds I, fun. I did a time lapse of it, and it almost has a million views on Instagram. No way, <laughs> dude! Swear. Yeah, when a when a reel hits, it's amazing. Oh, that algorithm, it's amazing. Feasts. Everything else is up. at two thousand, and that one's at a million. And I'm like, now they're telling you, you got to get on that. Now they're they're going to be people like, following you, thinking that you're some like home improvement guy, and then you're just going to be posting about yeah. bike racing, and they're going to be sorely disappointed. <laughs> it's all bike stuff. <laughs> yeah, I've I've I went from one thousand followers to like four thousand followers in a week, and and yeah, exactly the way you just said. Most of them are not there for the bike content. They're going to be they're going to be utterly disappointed when when your <laughs> office is done. Yeah, I know. I'm going to have to start like, it. Uh, like a week or two ago. You're probably was, looking oh, at the you're, you're probably <laughs> looking at the wrong account. Yeah, you you follow my old account that got hacked. Oh um, shit. It's it's called Rad my new account is called Rad Dad Dizzle. Oh my god. Yeah, I know. That sucks too. I had to I had to recreate an account and I couldn't I couldn't like get my old one back and it still exists, which sucks too. Jason was reacting to how cringe that Instagram name was. No, that is awesome. <laughs> Rad Dad Dizzle. Dude, I thought you said it had almost a million. What is that, like 900,000? 31. On. No, that's the, that's the most recent one. Go to the one from a week before that. Oh, 879. I see it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Man, that's going to hit a shitty thumbnail. That's amazing that that hit. I know. <laughs> it's going to hit a million. Wow. Well done. Are yes. you enrolled in their I little... Just, uh, their little instagram payroll for reels man i wish i was i would have been i'd be rolling in the dough right now no not really that's uh, the thing like they're oh, they're okay. yeah, it's not worth it it's yeah dude good. you'd have like 200 dollars right now worth exactly. it. i took the exact i took the exact hey that's more that's more I than i got Scepture, that's though. i got zero right <laughs> cover the scepter. <laughs> Adam last week was like, he asked me the same thing. He's like, is that on Instagram or YouTube? And I said, Instagram. And I was like, wait a second. If I put it on YouTube, my YouTube's monetized. So I put it on YouTube and only got a thousand views. And I'm like, yeah, classic. <laughs> like, I don't get it. Like, 
No, How it does doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, I mean people go YouTube... to YouTube for like actual home improvement advice. You were, I mean, <laughs> well, I did like on the, the YouTube shorts, which is like a minute. But the reason, the reason why that doesn't surprise me at all is because, I mean, this is probably how Instagram works too. And it did blow up on Instagram, but the YouTube algorithm, they have to push it to your, your subscribers first. And if your subscribers aren't interested, it's not going to go anywhere. And your subscribers mm-hmm. are all interested mm-hmm. in bike racing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But that so you, happened. You need a Instagram. cycling thumbnail. So people click on it. <laughs> <laughs> or and just start just another youtube and post just that to it yeah or yeah, that. that that crossed my mind i might have to come up with my own diy youtube channel yeah and that you're will figuring, be the, you're, and you're, that will be the funding for all of my cycling is my you're definitely uh you're on the right track in terms of being a grand prix racer you need like seven different social channels three yeah. different side hustles that's what i've come to realize yeah yeah. What other advice do you have as a uh, a potential future Grand Prix athlete? That Dizzle's, I Dizzle's, in case you didn't know, Dizzle's like trying real hard to get in the Grand Prix, so he needs all the help he can get. Full tilt. I'm all in. I already turned down my spot for the crit team next year, so I've got to make this happen. <laughs> advice for getting Ooh. in or advice for once you are racing the Grand Prix? Um, It's probably too late for the advice to get in, but... um. I'm doing Big Sugar, and the um, I'm hoping to win the quadruple crown for the Belgian Waffle Ride. Mm. I go to Mexico and get that dub, maybe. Oh, dang. <laughs> maybe that'll catapult me into the lead. Cool. And hopefully with a good result at Big Sugar and the win at, for the quadruple crown for the Belgian Waffle Ride, and like all the other social media, podcasts, YouTube, all that stuff, hopefully. Full improvement. Yeah. If all of that stuff stacks up enough, then um, hopefully that'll get me in. But yeah, yeah, I mean, advice I think, for getting in and for once I do get in. Yeah, I think for getting in, honestly, the the best thing you can do besides having like some sort of marquee result in a totally different thing. Like obviously Matt Beers was an obvious one with with uh, Cape Epic. Okay. Coney Loser was an obvious one with Swift, Swiss Marathon Nationals, stuff like that. Beyond mm. that. So like um, a standout, I, right. I think it's just... Uh, a so good if I result. won cross, if I won cross nets, that might be like a yeah. Br- I mean, Bruner I think that's probably. I mean, Bruner, yeah, that's Bruner won cross nets and got in. Yeah, I would assume. Um, just good, a good result or two in a lifetime, one of the big lifetime events. You know, like if you did a top ten, goes a long way. Yeah, I feel like that goes a long way. Um, once you're yeah. in, uh, who that's a tough one. Once you're in, I think key for doing well in the Grand Prix is putting together a good plan that will allow you to be semi fast for seven months. <laughs> That's yeah. kind of key. Right. Right. And just limiting setbacks. Like if you just, if you just crack off a handful of top tens and then don't uh, like totally drop the ball on two or three others, you're probably going to be top 10 in the grand prix at the end of the year. It's Gold's just like a survival yeah, I- series. <laughs> I think, uh, Dizzle, I think your Achilles will be the fact that three of the seven, I mean, and it might change for next year, but three of the seven races are at, at proper altitude. Oh, I thought mm-hmm. you were going to say mountain bike, but yeah, altitude is definitely a... No, you're good mountain biker. That's a, that's a limiter for sure. But yep. Dylan is so committed to like acclimating that I'd have basically a free place to stay with him. It's just a matter of like, can I be away from home for that long? That's like the biggest, that would be the biggest hurdle for sure. Yeah. Or try to bring the family with. I mean, ideally it would be bring the family with and 
they can acclimate with or me. just go full commit on like one of the three altitude races right like yeah acclimate for one of them right right mm-hmm. go all in on that one suffer through the others well it would be, i think I there's mean, a the good be, the best would be what which three is, is it leadville steamboat and the rad are those the three at elevation <laughs> no <laughs> steamboat's not, not dude. part of <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah yeah Duh, my bad i'm like yeah. advice crusher. for getting into the grand prix no crusher. which races are in the that's grand prix. The, i was thinking crusher Dude, and then steamboat if someone from lifetime listens to this they're gonna be like he doesn't care he's not in <laughs> no i was thinking crusher in the back of my head i was thinking mountaintop finish all that and then steamboat was the was the one that came out yeah um, fair to me all those like colorado races and crusher's not even in college you're, you are going to have to cut this out. <laughs> all those races out on the West Coast, I kind of just lump them all together. Like, you know, they're all at elevation. They all have a bunch West of climbing. Yeah. yeah. I think there's a good chance that one of the altitude races will get cut next year and replaced. Um, so yeah, they should cut it and replace moving. it with something on the East Coast. Like the Kahana or I don't know, uh some like legit mountain bike race, like where there's actual yeah, like little rocks. sugar. I mean, I could I could see maybe that being part of it. Me too. Depending on how it goes this year. Hmm. Yeah, that is going to yeah, be I'd a be, gnarly race. I'd be, maybe I'll do I'd that be one. Yeah, that's what we keep hearing. I I pre rode the whole thing um, a few weeks ago. Oh, you, like, you have to wait. You have to wait because Dylan's going to want to hear this. He's been asking about little little sugar course like every week. Okay, where did he go? He I just, don't know. He, he just did, dropped he just out. Dipped? It looked like his internet dropped out. Mm, okay but i won't be at that one i uh that's the same that's the same weekend as bwr kansas and that's mandatory for the quadruple thing Mm. if i who's your competition in that who else could win the overall they don't do like you know like i don't know because it's not like they uh i don't think they do like an updated I don't know. I'm probably not even on the list because I've only done two events. Dude, so it's it's all you know good. I mean? we'll, we'll get Super Fan Daniel to to crunch some numbers if and he'll, he'll get you a, an updated Pete, rankings. I mean, if Pete, as in he won it the last couple of years, Stetna. I don't know. I don't even know. Has so. he done any this year of the BWRs? Did he do California? Because you do have to do California. So if he didn't do California, then he's out. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure he did California. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was at California. Actually, what am I saying? If there's a race, Pete did it, so he went. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm thinking. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, and he he's he like I wouldn't be surprised if he's at BWR Kansas over Little Sugar because he's not much yeah. of a mountain biker. So for mm-hmm. sure, for sure. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. Was did he do Arizona earlier in the year? Dude, you know who's you know who's probably up there is uh, Durango native Cody Cup. Yeah, mm, he's true. not going. To, I don't think he's going to Kansas though. California and Why? Kansas are mandatory. I think he's going to Kansas. Why would he not go to Kansas? I'll text him. Oh. Actually, I think you are right. But anyways, I beat him at California, so by like a lot. So, uh, and he only beat me by like two spots at Utah. So if it's points based, hmm. I think I've got a pretty good lead on him. Yeah, but he's all, but he, I think he podiumed one of the other races. I think he was like top, or maybe top five at Canada. Yeah, but if I, in, so if I go to um, Kansas and beat him at Kansas and then go to Mexico and get and do really well in Mexico. I would just have to do better than what he did in one of the other events at Mexico. And from what I can gather, what what, what place were you in, Cali again? Eighteenth, and I think he okay. was in the forties. And you have to count that because that's going to be one of your four. Yeah, you have to count that in Kansas. Mm. So if I count that, count Kansas, the fifth at Utah, and hopefully a good result at Mexico because like everybody will be off season by then. Uh, yeah, that I feel like that that's like the. The winning ticket, hopefully. He is going to BWR Kansas. Yeah. I think oh, I remember talking. Dude, just crushing Dizzle's dreams right before him. 
Dude, what? Cody's good. I was roommates with him and Howie for a few years. Did you guys watch the video of him crashing right in front of me at Utah? It was no. like, it looked like such a bad crash. Like in real life, I'm like, he's not getting up. And he popped right back up and passed me 10 minutes later. I was like, yeah. whoa. <laughs> he's a tough, he's a tough yeah. dude. Yeah, I was impressed. I was like, dang. He, yeah, he was handling it. Has he tried to get into the Grand Prix? Uh, yeah. He's one of the people that I think. Isn't everybody? It was a, who's not it was trying a, to get in. It was a tough one because in terms of ability, he, I think he should have been in there, but he mm. just hasn't quite been on the gravel scene long enough. I think next year there's sure. a great chance he gets in, but we'll see. I had a friend of mine e- email Lifetime to try to get like the inside scoop on how I can get in. And, uh, they did say that, and hopefully I've got this going for me. I don't know that if like there's a bunch of athletes who are kind of similar in results, which I think me and Cody are pretty similar in results you know like if you kind of look at the broad whole picture Uh um we've only raced against each other like once but anyways um i'm hope they did say like the more stuff you're doing outside like off the bike that's obviously going to help leverage so i'm hoping like if it did come down between me and somebody with the exact same results as me like uh, yeah hopefully the stuff that i'm doing leverages it but yeah i don't know just send I hate them, to say uh, that because I want like I like Cody and I'm like man I want him in but send um, them the hole in the roof video and just case yeah, closed exactly yeah, I can't guess. find results anywhere on their website on BWR yeah. on your BWR yeah, yeah oh dude it's it's a mess the yeah. only results you can find are from like 2020 or something why is that I I don't, I don't know isn't it sense. is it through it's it's through some other isn't it through some other website probably. That does yeah, and I don't think it's Athlinks or anything. It's like, yeah, but yeah, come on, something like, else. That's like race day you're something. running a competition. Where are the results? <laughs> yeah. All right, Dylan's back. Now you can talk about the little sugar course. I made Payson pause his little sugar course description so that you could hear it, Dylan. I was, I'm looking out for you, buddy. Thanks, man. Have you ever raced mountain bikes in, uh, in Bentonville, Dylan? Uh, every time I've been to Bentonville, it was either on the way to a gravel race or for big sugar. So I only had my gravel bike. It's gonna be yeah. It's gonna be really hard. Um, I pre-rode it a few weeks ago, just endurance style, and was pretty tired, (laughs) like very, Mm -hmm. very blown out. Um, It's just a ton of. I think it has like over seven thousand feet of climbing, um, but the longest climbs like three or four minutes, and they're steep and just grippy and there isn't a single part that's really flat it's just up or down and you're just focused the whole time because it's that tight you know twisty often you know machine built trail um so yeah it'll be it'll be tough i think there'll be some tires so why, why is it so much harder than oz trails it's longer just just the length of it okay yeah i mean anyone that's raced oz trails will tell you how how tough it is on on muscles so Doing that for 45 minutes longer, 45 minutes longer, no, hour 15 longer uh, is going to leave a dent, I think, for sure. I'm nervous about it in regards to Big Sugar, honestly. I think you could definitely feel it the next weekend. What it, What are you doing uh, for tires? Because obviously Bentville's notorious for flats, both gravel and mountain bike. Yep. Uh, so actually, literally in response to this race... Maxis made a 60 TPI recon race. Um, so I'm going to ride that. It's kind of like the, the refuse of mountain bike tires. <laughs> okay. So is that, is that in a two, four probably? Yeah. 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 
Guys, I had so many freaking people at the cross race this weekend yelling at me. Are you on 47 Pathfinders? <laughs> and I was like, I was about to stop in the middle of the race and punch them in the face. Like, <laughs> shut up about these stupid tires. Should have been, dude. You would have been faster. Somebody on the start line. Like, they say, they say, like, one minute to start and it goes dead silent because everybody goes into, like, focus mode. And somebody standing right there goes, Dizzle, you got your Pathfinders? <laughs> hey, dude, come on. Dude, that's hilarious. I didn't even know anyone oh who raced cross listen to the show. Dude, there's that's a lot of people. About cross, like, I once. have, I, there hasn't been a race that I've not, that I've gone to this year where somebody hasn't come up to me and said, love the podcast. I probably had 10 people this weekend at the cross race tell me that. That's cool. Dude, yeah. I literally got out of my car at Schwamigan and that was the first thing anyone said to me was, oh, hey, dude, love the podcast. I think it's funny. I'm like, how do they even know what we look like? It's a podcast. (laughs) They're true Uh, fans. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How did your Schwamigan go, Adam? uh, My Schwamigan went pretty terribly. Just not a a good day? I was caught caught behind Tobin at the start. (laughs) He went went down, and I was like, Standish and I were... did the the tip over. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so Standish and I were like staged last row but on the on the far outside and we were like gonna just jam up the right side and tobin literally fell like right in our line so kind of from the start it kind of sucked and then uh caught back on but then eventually i was too far back and missed the first split like 10 10 minutes in and then that was kind of the end of it yeah you don't make the front split and and schwam again there's never you're never coming back yeah that crash was impressive i don't think i've ever seen someone crash so hard at like 10 miles an hour that was pretty gnarly. <laughs> I was the rider right behind him and I was recording. I was going to ask, yeah. I was, did, Drew, did you see it? I saw I that heard, video. I was I wondering if it was from your, I thought it was from, I wasn't sure if it was your video or if you snagged it from somebody else, but that was from your bike. That, yeah, that's from Dude, my bike. You were like, you were like right on his wheel. I mean, like perfect for video <laughs> recording, but so close to like screwing up your whole race dude the funniest part of the video too is the audio i I don't think you put the audio because you had to you had a music sound over but uh you can hear his tire just rubbing and it's like and then it just falls over Mm. so i i think that i'm gonna do a schwamigan video for youtube and i already know what the thumbnail is gonna be it's just gonna be a screen (laughs) falling over I said the same thing to Caleb Schwartz after Go Cross Day Two. He did like uh, he ran into a post and flipped over his bars right in front of me, and I was like, "Yes, that's good footage." <laughs> and I saw him after the race and was like, "Hey, man, thanks for the thumbnail." And I said, that's funny. Send, "He said, okay, yeah, send it to me so that I can at least, uh, you know." talk about my crash or whatever. I was like, "Yeah, I can do that." But on on YouTube, if you can. On YouTube, if you can get a crash thumbnail, like the thumbnail is mid somebody mid crash, that's th- those those are the cycling videos on YouTube that have the most views. Because it's like oh, people yeah, who aren't sure. even into cycling see that and they're like, "Oh, I want to see someone crash." Hundred <laughs> percent. Hey, speaking of Dylan, I have a question for you. What little camera do you use mounted under your computer? Yeah, it's uh, the company is Instago. And the main camera that everybody knows from them is the Instago 360, but that one's pretty mm. big, and I don't use, and it's heavy, and I don't use that one. the The one that I use is the the Go Two. They have a, they've got a newer one that's the Go Three, 
but it's very small and it only weighs 25 grams. Yeah. Um, it, only so, gets, it only gets like 30 minutes worth of Okay. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't have good battery. I have I have it on this setting where if I turn it on, it records for 30 seconds and then it turns off. So that way I don't have to remember to turn it off and hmm. I have yeah. you know, even with being selective with what I record, I have a hard time uh, not running out of batteries in a long gravel race. Yeah. I had my, I have my GoPro set up on the very similar setting for gravel races. I'll do a five minute timer so that after five minutes it turns off. And I forgot to turn that off for the cross race. And so uh, mm. every five minutes it would go beep, beep, beep. And I'd have to turn it back on. And I was like, no. Oh, so it, it notifies you when it, when it, cause the, the camera we've got, it doesn't beep at you. It, it um, vibrates, but like you can't feel that. Mm, yeah, the GoPro it, it it has like a setting where it'll beep, like it'll beep when it turns on and turn off to like let you know it's turning on or turning off. So mm-hmm. I could hear it beep, and then I'd have to reach down there and turn it back on every five minutes. And I was like, why didn't I? Mm-hmm. I forgot about that setting because in a cross race, I can just record the whole thing because the battery lasts like. 80 minutes, which is like perfect for a crit or for a cross race. Sick. I think I'm going to yeah. get one for uh gravel worlds. Cause I have a feeling it's going to be absolutely insane in the bunch. Oh, you're going like, yeah. Like to yeah. legit gravel worlds. Yeah. 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 UCI. Gravel <laughs> I gotta legit. get those crash. Gotta get those crash <laughs> thumbnails, man. Yeah. <clears throat> you got to. Yep. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Hey, uh, so let, let's go back to, uh, let's go back to Schwam again. Cause hmm. Hayson, you were in the sprint finish. Um, mm-hmm. And I kind of want to hear about that. We actually had a question, like someone, someone sent in a question and said, like, I hope you guys talk about the sprint finish at Schwamigan and something about, they had a video posted, but then deleted it because it, it looked like Alexi may have gotten a little bit of an edge from the drafting of the moto. Cause the moto was super close, which yeah. didn't make sense to me at all. But I want, I want to hear like your breakdown of, of the sprint a little bit. Cause it, it definitely didn't play out like it, you would expect a traditional sprint finish to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it was a weird finish. I'm going to call it a finish straight, but it was like a three quarters of a mile, you know, 100 meter wide field. Um, Yeah, I just remember in the last like five miles of that race, I just remember thinking, man, all these little hills that I thought were going to break it up are not breaking it up. And how how are we even going to do a 14 person sprint? Like, this is going to be crazy. And I think everyone was just sort of racking their brains about how to get an edge. Um, And then eventually everyone just sort of surrendered to the fact that it was going to be like, carnage um but it was cool it was exciting um i think alexi played it really really smart i've been really impressed with his ability to just have that instinct and really key moments of a race when it's just really chaotic and just like having um a very aware a lot of awareness to make the right decision uh in a split second um and i think he did that for the sprint uh I didn't have awesome position going into it. I think I was like of the 14 of us, I was maybe 11th or 12th wheel coming out of the woods, but wasn't too stressed about it since the, that finish was so huge, so wide and long. Um, and I just keyed off of Matt beers because I, I was thinking, you know, who, who on paper is going to be the best lead out guy in this group. And I thought Matt would be, cause one, he's super strong, puts off a huge draft, uh, and also is sort of like a bit of a diesel, and so I figured his, when he did open it up, it was probably going to be like a gradual windup rather than like a, a snap acceleration. So it would probably be easier to follow. Mm-hmm. So I was super happy with that decision um, and thought I played it super well. Um, 
and we just sort of like went around the outside of everybody. And right as I was thinking, man, I think I played this perfectly. Like I might win this. I see out of the corner of my eye that Alexi has already gone like at least a hundred meters before I even would have considered going. And I was like, man, that's early. Um, and then right as I was thinking that it started to pitch downhill and I was like, oh shit, he knew exactly what he was doing. And I think he played this perfectly. Cause what I didn't think about is just how like throughout the year, I've underestimated how fast we would be going for a given race or even like on a section of course in a given race. Um, and that happened again. Like I didn't expect to get geared out with a 3810 in that sprint. And I did. And I thought you were the king of the early sprint. Didn't you start sprinting like 2K out at the Mid-South this year? I should have, man. But with that, <laughs> I knew Carrie doesn't have a ton of acceleration. And okay. I figured John, you know, I could maybe surprise him. So that was different. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Three guys, three guys versus be- 14 is different. The fact that Carrie got it on video, but the fa- like you dri- dropping back and them not noticing it. I'm like, <laughs> how do you not have your head on a swivel within the first, like last K of a race on pavement? Like, dude, I'm mm-hmm. not taking my eyes off of the other two guys the whole time. And you were that's able to what gap I was, them and that's slingshot. What I was, like, that's, that's what I was getting at with Alexi, though. Like, I think a lot of people that race a lot and are fans of racing, they'll think that in a moment like that, they're going to be cool headed. Um, but it's really hard to, to make the right decision and stay focused. And I think yeah. probably the, in, in finishes like that, the smarter person wins a lot more often than the, the stronger mm. person, to be honest. Yeah. Um, so when you were saying he timed it so that like he was already off the front or at the front when you hit the downhill. So once you hit the downhill, like no one's going to be able to accelerate faster than anyone else because you're already yeah. geared out. No one was mm. coming around. No one was coming mm. around. Okay. And that I remember smart. at the, at the finish, I like, Gave him this punch in the shoulder. I was like, you bastard. And he was just grinning and he showed me his bike computer and his peak power was like 1,050 watts. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like that was your peak (laughs) power and you won this. Um, Yeah. So yeah, Yeah, I mean, so Payson, correct me if I'm wrong, but I was this, I was talking about this with Drew. If you told me Schramm again was coming down to a 14 rider sprint finish, I would not put Alexi as the winner. I don't think Alexi's sprint is bad, but I just don't. I didn't think he was an amazing sprinter before the race. Mm-hmm. And it seems um, like it sounds like he won with it sounds like he won with his brain, not with his legs. Is yeah. what Payson yeah. saying? Well, he won with both, but yeah. But it seemed like he outsmarted everyone too. Yeah, I mean, obviously he was still crazy strong, and I want to give him full credit for being strong throughout the race too. Like he was the one that drove it up Fire Tower. Um, <clears throat> he was always on the front foot. Like he. Uh, he he was crazy strong in that race. And I think if okay. um if it you know in some hypothetical world there'd been a really steep like forty five second hill to the finish, um, there's a good chance he would have also won. Um but yeah, I mean, all else being equal, in like a really hard race where it's just peak watts at the end, Keegan's gonna win almost every time. Um if you see his peak sprint at the end of, of races, it's just like kind of unreal. Mm-hmm. Um, over over fourteen hundred watts routinely at the end of five and six wow. hour races. Um, but so, how did you end up pacing for everybody who's listening? Fourth, fourth. Um, yeah, he was talking about watts. Oh no, no, I meant no, I meant what place he got. <laughs> I don't know what my watts were actually. I think probably only around a thousand two. Because um, it's a it was a weird sprint too because it was super long. Like I think it mm-hmm. was you were definitely 
sprinting for over 20 seconds. Mm-hmm. And that's after doing 500 watts for two minutes before that, probably too, going down the drag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the other thing that I think people forget about sprints in general. Like, it's always funny to me when Velon posts their watts from various races, and you've got all these Cat One 45 year old guys that are like, I've done 300 watts more than that in a sprint. It's like, yeah, did you see the 5K prior? Like, they just did 480 yeah. for eight minutes <laughs> and then they're sprinting. Right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, fun race, chaotic. I think it'll probably be like that, unless it's a mud. Mud year, it'll probably be like that for the foreseeable future. It'll be along with. Do you think? Do you think they'll keep Schwamigan in the in the mix for the Grand Prix for future years? I hope so. I mean, it's such a. I mean, dude, I I don't know of another race in the states that has that many people watching at the finish. Like, were there over a thousand people on that? Yeah, other than Iceman. Um, I think it would be a shame not to have it in there. I personally would probably go anyway, even if it wasn't a Grand Prix race. Like it's just the yeah. scene up there, up there is unreal. And if you're, if you're a North American pro and you're looking to do right by your sponsors and, and cultivate mm-hmm. a fan base, I think going to Schwamigan is a very wise decision, regardless of whether it's in, yeah, in the Grand Prix. And everyone enjoys it. You know, like I didn't see a single post from any of the riders afterwards that wasn't like this race was so sick. You know, like it was super fun, dynamic, fast, hard, a f- yeah. you know, fresh, a breath, breath of fresh air after racing seven plus hour races all season to go do a two hour drag race. Like it's just completely different. Yeah. Yeah. It was crazy to cross a finish line and have like so much adrenaline and just like throw your bike on the ground and be high fiving everybody. It was like, I don't know. It was, a you know, instead of taking five minutes to come back to earth and then like hug your <laughs> significant other, you know, everyone was just amped. You know, there was so much yeah. energy at the finish. It was cool. Yeah, and you're not completely smoked the rest of the night or, you know, unable to ride the next day. For sure. For sure. What is this? I tried to. I was shockingly sore the next day. I, I almost felt like yeah, I was more yeah, sore yeah, yeah, yeah. than I hear that. I think it's just because I'm I'm not used to just punching it at 500 watts for 30 seconds for two hours straight. It's just yeah. something that I don't do very often. 100%. So. Super sharp effort. What's the trophy? What is that giant thing? Uh, it's that's one of the most famous trophies in mountain biking. I think uh, it's cool. Make me it's, feel like an idiot for not knowing. Thanks. Buddy. Well, I don't mean I don't mean like <laughs> I mean I don't know what it is either. I just mean like it's recognizable oh, okay. and it's like it's iconic. Like any good trophy, you know, it's like the Leadville trophy. It's it's kind of dangerous, you know. Like you could easily hurt yourself with it. Uh, <laughs> super heavy, got sharp edges. Yeah, I was um, like, what is like a big pointy golden thing I, from what I could gather. Yeah, I'd never seen someone lift it over their head. That was uh, as impressive to me as the actual race win from Alexi. Maybe Alexi was hoping he'd drop it and take Keegan out. <laughs> Just drop it on Keegan. Yeah. <laughs> the uh, the Iceman trophy is pretty epic too. A big giant ice sculpture. That's, that's pretty cool. Or it's oh, a big yeah. mug. It's a big giant ice mug, isn't it? Yeah. I have an epic story from that, actually. Let's hear it. 2000, what year was that? Late was this 20 the, teens. Was this the wrong turn? What's that? I wasn't good. I, was this the wrong turn year? Oh, no, that was that was a couple years prior. You remember I, that, huh? I wasn't going to bring that up. That's <laughs> that like probably bad. one of your worst memories in racing. <laughs> that sucked. <laughs> yeah. Um, For those of you don't, I, no, now I have to explain, so I'm sorry, Payson. But, no worries. Uh, or maybe you should explain, but... From what I, from watching from afar, it looked like you and somebody else were off the front and you pretty much had it wrapped up like one of you two were going to win. And between 
just being cross-eyed because you're going so hard. There was an opening on the course or something. Mm-hmm. They're like, they left it open. And yeah. at that point, it's like, you got to like close it in. Cause like when you're bleeding through your eyes, it's like, yeah, if there's not tape keeping you on the course. Like, well, not only likely that, somebody the, will miss it and you miss yeah. the turn, right? Like Schwamigan style. Also, so it was this big switchback basically. Okay. Well, I'll rewind. So Howard, this was, this was when Iceman was super deep. Like it was basically. Oh yeah. You know, pro XCT caliber. Um, yeah. the number of names up there was pretty sweet. But anyway, somehow this was not somehow he was insane good. But in like those mid late 20 teens years, uh, I think it was the year he maybe won Cape Epic. Howard attacked like halfway through and stayed away solo. <clears throat> um, and I <clears throat> attacked the main chase group with like two big rollers to go and got a gap and saw Howard through the trees and was like, Oh, this is doable. Mm. And I was so focused on that. And like you're saying, there was this big switchback and there was a, a big gap in the fencing and there were all these tire tracks going straight because mm. there's 6,000 non pros that do the race before us. And when you have 6,000 mm-hmm. non pros, just, <laughs> you know, riding through the woods, like there's going to be some weird lines out there. And so I guess a bunch of the amateur racers had taken this shortcut so I just saw tire tracks and a big oh. gap in the fencing. I was like, oh, that's the course. And so I cut cut through there. I think it's, it's shaved like five seconds or something. Um, mm-hmm. And I saw Howie on the last climb. I didn't catch him, but I came across the line. I was like, I'm second, you know, sick, good result. Uh, and then I think it was Decker, actually, Carl Decker, who was like, dude, you definitely cut the course. I was like, what are you talking about? Anyway, I got – it was nice of them. They put me – to the back of like where the first time gap was. So I ended up getting put seventh in the results, but that was mm. a bit of a gut wrencher. Anyway, I think it was the next yeah. year or two years later, Howie, I want to say Howie won again. I can't remember. Anyway, I finally was second, like actually second. And we we're cruising around with the ice trophy in downtown Traverse city. The after party <laughs> at Iceman is all time yeah. the after parties. <clears throat> And, uh, we were hanging out with Steven Edinger and, uh, for some reason we just decided we wanted to go skinny dipping in the, in the lake, the, the great lake that was there. <laughs> and it's like 40 degrees out oh, or whatever. Man. Um, so we do that and then we, so we do that. That's, that's <laughs> we, all we yeah, get. <laughs> nonchalant. <laughs> so we do that. <laughs> we're cruising back through town with the ice trophy still. And it was just warm enough that the ice trophy was melting a little bit. So it kind of had this like lubricating layer of water underneath it. So Howard would just like kick it and it would just skim down the road for like two hundred meters, mm. <laughs> and then we'd chase it. We're going through town and then all of a sudden we hear ice, ice baby just bumping out of this apartment. And we're like, no way. And so we were like, we have the ice trophy. Ice, ice baby is bumping somewhere. Got to go wherever that is. So we just walk into this random person's second story apartment and, uh, walk in the door and they were hyped. Like they immediately no. knew what the trophy was. So we just like partied with these random people in Traverse That's city. Awesome. And they're like pouring, you know, beer into the ice chalice and stuff. Anyway, good race. <laughs> that is, a, that is a good story. That is pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Fun times. We've been trying to tell Dizzle he's got to go back to Iceman, but he's, I did it one of the years that Grotz won. And, uh, I didn't even, I didn't even finish with the lead group. That was the year that Alexi was still on Lotto Yumbo, I think, for, mm. for the end of that year. So he actually raced in his Lotto Yumbo kit. Mm. And I stayed with him at that race at some buddies of his. And 
And it was like a big showdown because we hadn't raced each other since juniors. And at the <laughs> time I was trying to do mountain bike stuff. So I'm like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to smoke you, Alexi. And he, <laughs> and he totally smoked me. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I kind of had my tail tucked between my legs. Like, yeah, that was a little harder than I expected. That's funny. It yeah. doesn't, it doesn't fit Jason, well. Could you see, could you see lifetime fitness. trying to pick up another shorter race like Schwamigan? including that in the series and is that something you'd want to see i personally would love to see that i love this challenge of trying to be a really well-rounded athlete and figure out um yeah just figure out the training and the bike setup i think that's really cool i think the more that the grand prix can lean into being different the better that's why i was so in favor of the unbound mud fest too um like the only way that the grand prix i think is going to stay viable long term and relevant globally is if it's just kind of out there doing its own thing and feels kind of extreme. So the more wrinkles that they can work in, um, I think the better, I think, uh, more races like Schwamigan would be awesome. What if they included the, uh, the mid South double, you had to do the run with the bike. That's a different sport. Um, (laughs) that's a, that's a pretty big wrinkle. That's a definitely, definitely out on that. Yeah. I think, uh, a lot of injuries would happen, um, so probably not the move. But soon at the start idea. of the year, too. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's like the perfect base base training, just marathon training and endurance cycling training, but simultaneously. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys don't like to run. What other races do you think they 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 would swap in if they if they did pull out? You, you know, you, you mentioned like they, they might extract one of the altitude races, whether it's the Rad Crusher or Leadville. You think they'd put in another like endurance mountain bike event? Because I don't think there's that many more gravel races that they have in their fleet of races. Yeah. Um, you know, I've always heard good things about Lutzen. Um, I think any race that's in that area is going to be a winner. You know, anywhere in that northern Midwest area yeah. is going to be you just like in terms race, of the health. What's that? You've done it. Yeah, it's sick. I mean, yeah, it's it's yeah. basically Schwamigan, but you know, three times as long. Mm. Ooh, that sounds hard. Um, I think depending on how little sugar goes, uh, like if I were you know some sort of grand architect for creating the healthiest ecosystem for racing, and uh, you know, just sort of like creating a yeah an ecosystem that that takes advantage of this blueprint we have with the mass participation events and also the Grand Prix. And also the other assets within within the industry. I think a, finishing the year with a double header like that, a mountain bike, gravel, double header in Bentonville, where everyone knows there's lots of resources and, and energy for the sport. Just from a business standpoint, I think that makes the most sense. Um, and also it would be pretty cool because I could see those 10 days, like depending on how it goes this year, I could see those 10 days almost turning into like, an end of year sea otter within mm. two or three years from now. And so if you opened the year with actual mm. sea otter and then you had like sea otter Bentonville, um, I think that would be, be sick. absolutely sick. And if you think about just the trail resources they have there, how um, beginner friendly a lot of the trails are, you could have an absolutely insane, you know, week long expo between the two races with bike demos and, you know, oh, and they could drop in the uh, they could drop in the UCI cross race that week too. Totally, like they've they've hosted World Cup cross. <laughs> I mean, they hosted the World Championships and World Cups in Fayetteville, yeah, which is right I mean, down even, the street. Dude, like throw throw a crit in there 
you know, yeah. like one of these it's national cross season, kind of late <clears throat> crit season, but I bet some people would do it. Like that'd be awesome. Like yeah. Get a whole festival. Exactly. Um, and if yeah. I know anything about Bentonville and the people, uh, that are making things happen there, like I bet that's kind of the grand scheme. Yeah. So to me, that's the, um, that makes the most sense on paper. Yeah, I could see that. And there, there's already like outer bike is the same week, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Yeah. So they kind of already starting to like integrate all these different components. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's already cool to like, like just a week finish long. off with a, a week there. Yeah. Yeah. From what I've gathered, it's already going to be like a week long kind of bike thing. Uh, like we've got, we've got a booth in the expo for ignition coach co. So that'd be pretty sweet. Like, Oh, cool. We've, we've not done that a lot, but this would be like one of the first big real life. Like we're in, we're going to be there like in real life. <laughs> nice. So that'd be pretty <laughs> cool, uh, to make it a little bit more known. So right on. We were there in real life at, uh, mid Yeah, I know. But that was, yeah, I got sick for the mid South. This is trying this to year. work that lifetime angle. <laughs> Well, the, the Mid-South would have been awesome, but I got sick that week, and I and I was the one that had the tent and all the stuff. And so Dylan and Nina basically just sat in our square with pop-out chairs and talked to people. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like a, kind of a letdown. No offense. Doing Dylan. the hustle. <laughs> yeah. We should probably nice. let Payson uh, get off here soon. Yeah, we should do that thing where, more questions where for- like you know, like legit podcasts do at the end and say like, oh, Payson, how can people like find you? And do you want to say anything else? Uh, uh, everything is just at my name pretty mm. much besides the podcast, which we probably need to rebrand. That's the adventure stash, which are you hinting? Why would you rebrand are you hinting that you're going to shave your mustache? Uh, no, but I would like the mustache to be less of a brand. Which wasn't. We got a we got a listener question a while a while back specifically about your mustache and whether <laughs> I forget what the exact question was, but it was something to the effect like, do you feel like Payson has to feels like he needs to keep the mustache because like he's too he's too in deep with the mustache thing. I did it to the brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's yeah. funny? Everyone thinks that there was some grand scheme, and I totally get that. Like, I started using the logo for like thumbnails and stuff but um it was actually Iceman where i i had it for the first time um and it just sort of as a joke but the, i just think it's like a cool style you know mm-hmm. back in the 60s 70s whatever like it was just sort of a staple culturally and i mm. think uh it, it's fun um but it's sort of like people started running away with it uh but I, I don't need it to be a brand. It's just like a style <laughs> thing, you know, like I get my hair cut the same way every time I shave my face the same way every time <laughs> it is what it is. Yes. Yeah. 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 In, in your, uh, your production company's something stash, stash house, stash house right? yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, that's the thing okay. is like, I, I totally asked for it, but there wasn't a grand scheme. Like, yeah. Six, seven years ago, when I started trying to get my shit together business wise and make some decisions, like actually take out, you know, register LLCs and that sort of thing. And I couldn't come up with anything better. I was just like, sure, <laughs> we'll just like put stash in the <laughs> stash house. That's clever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's one of those things where like seven years down the line, you know, now being 30 instead of 23, I'm like, ugh. <laughs> 23 year old Payson maybe wasn't as wise, but. 
Dude, but w- once kids start entering the mix, though, you gotta gotta keep the dad stash well and alive. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, That's, no yeah. doubt. Well, my first year, the first year that my kid was born, I I had a dad stash, and that was my excuse. I just wanted to be a dad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, my sure. dad had a stash like that for probably until I was ten years old. Like I only knew him with a mustache. And then we were going, we were going on vacation to the beach, and I don't know why, but he just decided to shave it that morning. And all of us were super tired because we woke up at like five in the morning to the beach. And like halfway through the drive, my mom was like, "You don't have a mustache anymore." And we all looked at him, and it was <laughs> shocking because it was the first time in my life I'd seen my dad with no mustache. He's, Dude, and totally. From that point on, he just never had a mustache again. He went from. Dude, when, when I mustache for 10 years of my life too, he hasn't had a mustache since. Yeah. 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 When, when I shaved my mustache off for the first time and I went to go pick up my kid from daycare, he like wouldn't run to me. He was like, <laughs> I, I don't know who this human is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally. My dad was the same way. Like he had a, he had a beard. I've, I've never seen him without a beard really. Um, so yeah, it just becomes part of your identity, I guess, for better. Words. I'm pr- I mean, heck, Nicole might call off our wedding if I shave my mustache (laughs) would you guys have a date set no no um we live way too fast and uh Mm. just need to come up with a time in the year and a place that has Mm -hmm. us stoked and just like nail it down we definitely want to do like a destination type thing not a big Mm. 100 plus person blowout we want it to be a, a memorable experience um yeah my parents got married on a rafting trip uh, on the Mexican side of the border. So doing something kind of along like, those lines, I think would be cool. Uh, sounds, but no. sounds like, sounds like you. We don't have a, we don't have <laughs> a date set. Cool. Cool. Yep. Sick man. Well, we'll let you get out of here. Taking an hour and a half of your time, but thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Yeah. And yeah, eventually all, all of the bonk bros will be on the adventure stash, right? <laughs> we'll come, we'll Dude, come on. You just miss you. So we have we'll one come rage your whole podcast. We have, we have one role with the podcast and you just blew it. It's that you're not allowed to invite yourself on the podcast. Uh, Dude. Rue. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Everybody but me. <laughs> everybody else can be on. We got to nail down Scott though. Scott would be good. No, but thanks guys. Dude, someone, uh, someone emailed in and uh, was like, you guys need to kick Scott off the podcast. Cause he's like, he won't even come on after he he was in like the jersey of some stage race he was in, and he wouldn't even come on and tell us about it after. He's like Scott's not part of your podcast anymore. Does he he's have just, a contract for next year, the by the way? Because that team's folding. Mm. I, th- I think that's is that yeah, not I don't know if that's, uh, that's public like, news yet. Like, we might have it, to cut that. Is that public knowledge? Uh, not yet. Public knowledge that the team's folding. Yeah, I've had. Oh, it is. Okay, I've literally yeah. had like three of their riders reach out asking for tips on becoming a gravel racer. Yeah, it's like oh fuck. Yeah. Okay. Maybe it's yeah. Maybe maybe it is out there now. I know it wasn't like a month ago when Scott watch, was telling watch us. Watch the entire human powered health team just become gravel racers, and then you know gravel racing is all already you know so stacked, and it just becomes even harder next year. The spirit will be ah only like completely non existent to get through one of those races. We're fine. Yeah. Scott would be good. Um, Scott would be dark horse. Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. <clears throat> I like what you're doing. Yeah. It's fun. Thanks, man. We appreciate it. Keep it loose. <laughs> yeah. Always, for sure. Oh, yeah. All right. All right. We'll see you guys. See ya.